Hello? Hey, can you hear me? Hey, Terrence. Shoot. Can you hear us? <laughs> no, I don't think he can. Can you hear me? We should talk crap about him. <laughs> oh, Terrence, he's such a drag. Oh, I just wish he would just stop showing up. Oh. <laughs> hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. All right, sorry. Yeah, as I was coming up, my kids were like, yeah, there's something unplugged at the back of the computer, and now I figured out what they are, <laughs> what, what it was. So, I got, sorry about that. No problem. You just missed us talking crap about you. <laughs> okay. At least you do that on the podcast. It's probably be funny. <laughs> I just wish you would just stop showing up. Hey everybody, it's another Bathfast Podcast. Um, this is episode number 21, right Tim? Number 21, yep. We are Rolled up to drink. Yep. Um, so we're going to go get drunk, and then we're going to come back and do this podcast. How does that sound? Sounds fine, even though uh, alcohol tastes terrible and I never drink anyway, so... <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'm already I'm already drunk. I didn't realize we were waiting for after, but I can get more drunk. That's okay. So I'll see, Terrence. You go ahead and do that. Terrence. Yeah, you broke yeah. the law. You drank before we were at episode twenty-one. Good thing no, I found. I took a trip to Canada, so that's oh, why okay. I got. <laughs> um, my name is Dane. I I never introduce myself. Every time I've hosted, for some reason, no. I'll always just go to you guys. Uh, but yes, my name is Dane, and I I am here with Tim. Tim, how's everything going with you? Everything is going good. Awesome, or just good? Let's just say good. Not much to yeah. complain about, but let's, things could always be a little better. I see your point. But well, what were you saying, Tim? I was going to say, in, uh, but in 2015, I think everything will be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> two more years, Tim. Two more years. <laughs> yeah, now that we're officially in 2013, we can now start saying just two more years. <laughs> yeah. Um, Terrence, hello. How was your vacation? Uh, yeah, and how, how how was going back to school? It was great. It was great. Sorry, I missed the last um, podcast, but um, over the holidays, I did spend some time with my brother, and I had a little talk with him about his comments about our. <laughs> podcast and he, it was funny because I, I mentioned it to him i'm like so you have a problem with it on itunes he's like he was like no i'm sorry i was just trying to help you guys out i was like well thanks a lot you made everything awkward between dane and i now and he's like <laughs> got all apologetic i'm like no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding so um that was fun and then the one thing is it's not Batman, but it's Star Wars. We, we should be like the Bat fans, Star Wars slash <laughs> Batman podcast. But um, the reason why I was on the last podcast, I took the family. We went up to Virginia, and there's this, this um, Shakespeare Theater in Virginia in uh, this, this town called Stanton, Virginia. It's a reconstruction of Shakespeare's only indoor theater. But over the holidays, they, they put on a Christmas carol, and they also did this one uh, – well, they do, they do a couple other shows, but there's this one-woman show uh, called The Twelve Dates of Christmas, and I, I took my wife to see it. My mom was with us. She watched the kids. 
because it was a little adult. Um, but it was pretty, it was really funny. But at one point, the, it's like this woman, she breaks up with her boyfriend on like Thanksgiving. And then it's a whole year of going out on these different dates till the following Christmas when she meets Mr. Wright. And at one point, she's talking about how she met this guy on Thanksgiving and they went back to her house and watched the great holiday classic film, Star Wars. And then they, and they're like, and then we watched that other great uh, holiday classic, The Empire Strikes Back, you know? And then she's like, and then, you know, like two hours later during Return of the Jedi, when the Ewoks blew up the Death Star, we finally kissed or something like that. And then like uh, some time goes by and there's like this real dramatic moment in the play. And she's like pouring her heart out. And like people in the audience were crying and everything. And my wife leans over to me and she's like, did the Ewoks blow up the Death Star? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, like, oh, don't even get me started on that. Don't even get me started. So, um, but, um, yeah, we had a, a great vacation. Thanks for asking. Well, I'm glad that information was yes. cleared up because, yes, the Ewoks did not blow up the Death Star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they shoot a big giant rock at the Death Star. And it blows yeah. Up. yeah. Well, did you see uh, President Obama's tweet today about the Death Star? Oh, was it something like uh, – like we have, uh, we have no current plans to building a, a space that destroys planets or something like that. Was no, like the he, official statement. Kind of, but it was actually pretty cool because I, I don't know if you guys had heard or the listeners had heard about the, the guy who had started a yeah. petition to get uh, our government to build a Death Star so that we could jumpstart the economy. And Barack Obama's tweet, I have it right here. It says. Why would we spend taxpayer dollars on a Death Star with a fundamental flaw that can be exploited by a one-man starship? <laughs> that is thought, okay. Yeah, regardless of what you think of his politics or not, that's a that's an awesome answer for it. <laughs> Which then led to this whole other discussion with my wife today because she's like, well, well what do you mean by that? And I'm like, well, Luke blew it up. And she's like, really? Luke blew it up in the first one? I'm like, oh, my God, you don't even remember, do you? And um, she's like, really? He blew it up with one airplane? And I'm like, it wasn't an airplane. It was an airplane. <laughs> And like we were right in the middle of Chili's at the time. So I think she does that on purpose just to get me going because she knows like how and she's just laughing. So you but, use, uh, use that as an excuse to watch it again to refresh your memory. Like, so I yeah. Show it to you again. <laughs> well, I drove her nuts over the break because I watched. I know Dane doesn't watch the extras, but on the uh, Star Wars DVDs, the the um the George Lucas I, Empire of Dreams, I think it's called. Yeah. I watched. I watched that about four times over break. She's like, this again? Yeah. Well, I like having it on in the background when I'm doing things or working or, you know, I can just listen to it and hear it. And, I, and I, that documentary, I think, is fantastic with all the behind the scenes of it. So I drove her a little nuts with that, but <laughs> she, she hasn't killed me. So <laughs> that's good because we need you on this podcast for some reason. And we need <laughs> yeah. your brother to um, bash me on the iTunes reviews. It's like a compliment sandwich, really. Yeah. What that review was. It was like, you guys are awesome, but Dane sucks. Well, you guys are awesome. <laughs> All right, so before we get things started, maybe we should talk about what we're looking forward to in 2013 in the world of Batman as our future topic. Um, so, Tim, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, so we know probably 2013 is going to be as big as uh, 2012 was since there is no big movie going out. But right. probably what I'm looking forward to is uh, just to kind of see in the animated front of whenever we find out when Beware the Batman is going to come out. I'm just real curious to see how that show is going to be. I mean, when it was first announced, I think most fans, myself included, were a little skeptical as far as the tone of what it was going to be and the situation with the characters, Alfred and the guns and all that, what kind of villains they're going to use. But um, when we saw like how it actually looks in those few clips 
of the animation. It does look pretty cool. I like the design of Batman. And then we got a few images of how some of the other characters are going to look, like uh, Bruce Wayne and um, Professor Pig, Alfred, how they look. I do like all the character models that they're using. So um still waiting to see how it's going to be. I don't think we should judge it just yet, but I am excited to see the new Batman cartoon come on and see how it is. Hopefully it will be something good. I know when Brave and the Bold was first announced, I made the mistake of <laughs> judging that too early, saying it's going to be a two-kitty show. I end up loving that, so... I think we'll wait and see with Batman, uh, beware of the Batman, but I am excited to see how that's going to end up and finally get a new Batman cartoon for 2013. I just hope we get an announcement as far as when it's going to air, because they just keep saying 2013, but no exact time yeah. frame. You took my choice, Tim. Thanks a lot. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no, but I would, I would probably say more details about the Justice League movie, because I, I feel that, I mean, especially me, I felt it hasn't gotten a fair shake. It's it's just been bashed from the beginning. Uh, people haven't really given it a shot. So I'm just looking forward to what we can see. Or I'm just looking forward to more details about the Justice League movie. Yeah, and hopefully if they're still sticking to their 2015 release date, we should be hearing yeah. more stuff on it this year, you would think. Like yeah, maybe a director yeah. or a writer. Oh, no, wait, it has a writer, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unless they realize it's too soon and they push it back or right. something. That'll be the big 2013 announcement for Justice League. It's been pushed right. back a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just something. I mean, just to give it a positive outlook, I guess. But Terrence, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, I've got I got a few things. I made a list here. This is going to be a good year, I think. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the conclusion of Grant Morrison's run on Batman Incorporated. Um, I think right now, I think he's supposed to do 12 issues total. Um, and I think right now I'm not enjoying the book as much just because it seems out of place with the whole um, Joker stories going on in every other book. Uh, but I think once that's done and complete and is its own set and its own s- story, sort of like how like uh, All-Star Superman is kind of its own thing, um, that will be a lot more enjoyable. Plus, Grant Morrison, I found he, he's a lot more enjoyable when I read his stories like one right after the other as opposed to reading one and then waiting a month and then reading it because I'm it's they're so thick and so deep and have so many different characters and nuances that I get I, you know I forget all that the next month and I'm like yeah, who's this guy what is going on you always got to so, backtrack several issues when you read the next the newest one for the month exactly and my whole the whole reason why I kind of got into the whole listening to your podcast and finding out and going on the internet was when I got back into comics and reading Grant Morrison and trying to figure out what the heck is going on and and trying to find more information and then when I found uh you know your podcast even on your old site uh it was great because everybody on the podcast was like yeah I don't get what's going on and I'm like ah I'm not alone I'm not, not there. <laughs> no one's getting this right now but then when you go back and you read his whole run it, it makes a lot more sense and you see how things tied in and you you really think wow this was brilliant how he you know, put this little tidbit in this issue and then it paid off, you know, 12 issues later. Um, I'm also looking forward to um, hopefully, I don't know if it's going to come out this year, but we'll probably get some more information about the third Batman Arkham Asylum game. Um, I saw some some things in the news today that they were starting to uh, reserve some um, domain names for it. So hopefully some details. I, I think you guys had mentioned before that it's probably going to be a prequel which seems a good way to go for it. So hopefully in 2013 we'll hear an announcement about Mark Hamill, you know, coming out of retirement with the Joker for it. (laughs) 
Um, a couple personal things that I'm looking forward to in 13. Hopefully my wife will get me some cool Batman shirts. Um, I have, I can't even tell you how many Batman shirts I have. I think I have like 20 different Batman shirts and, and they, I probably bought maybe two of them myself. She's always coming home. Um, and Green Lantern shirts and, and everything. And it's funny because the first podcast I was wearing, she got me this really cool Batman shirt on our honeymoon. It was, uh, um, and I've never seen it before. It's, it's probably out there somewhere. It's, the, um, you know the Alex Ross Batman painting for R.I.P. that's like blue from the, the first issue? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's that image of Batman, but it's in a bat symbol. And even when I've gone to like conventions and signings, people have stopped me and like, where did you get that? And I'm like, I got it on my honeymoon in San Diego. And they're just like, oh, I want to get that. Um, but it was funny. I wore that on our, when we did our first podcast. Well, when you had me on for the first time, um, I wore, I was wearing that shirt. She's like, Oh, did you tell the guys about your shirt? Did you tell the guys about your shirt? And I'm like, No, it, it didn't really come up. It's like, it's the first podcast. I didn't want to be like, So, what are you guys wearing? You know, I thought, <laughs> thought that might come off a little, you know, they might not have me back. So, um, well, I'll, Terrence, I, yes. I, just, I, I just want you to know that uh, my podcast naked. <laughs> and uh Tim is also naked for some reason. He just wants to copy me. <laughs> yeah. I uh I was about to drink some water while you were saying that. I almost spit it all <laughs> over my computer. <laughs> I, I was wondering because at one point you said you wanted to change the name of the podcast to Bat Fans Without Pants, so now I now I <laughs> I saw started now I again. see. Yeah. <laughs> um But no, so now I could tell right now I'm wearing the Batman Hush shirt, which she got me. But um, I can I can let her know. Um, and let's see what else am I looking forward to? There's a um, guy at my wife's work. I think I mentioned him before that he had made a like a, a phone charger out of like a bat Batmobile. Well, that wasn't true. He <laughs> he made it out of if you remember from the old. Um, 60s Batman TV show with Adam West when they would slide down the bat poles. First, they had this bust of Shakespeare, yeah. and they would lean the head back and push the button. Well, that he made it out of that. And so he told my wife he made it out of a bust, and she thought he said bus and was thinking Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy actually has it on Facebook, and I'm not going to give out his Facebook um, account over the podcast, but if anybody wants to uh, send us an email at our website – um, uh, or on our um, Gmail, um, which is batfans27 at gmail.com. I'll, I'll send him out the pictures, but it's pretty cool. So um, the other day I, I went on his Facebook for the first time because my wife was talking to him at work, and he's got some really cool stuff, and there's some pictures of him dressed in a really awesome Boba Fett costume, like like oh, movie really? quality. Yeah, and I was like, wow, this is awesome. He's got a lot of Star Wars and comic book and Batman stuff. Um, so my wife... Uh, this week at work told him, he said, yeah, you know, we, we want to have you and your wife and your kids, you know, over sometimes. Said, but my husband said, you have to wear your Boba Fett costume when you come over. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, he got, he's like, oh, I, I sold it. I sold uh, it. So I was like, oh, oh. yeah, you're not invited over now. So, um, and um, one other thing which I had here is uh, I'm looking forward to Batman number I'm not sorry, not Batman. Batgirl number 16, and I sent you guys a couple emails about this, but one of our listeners, and I hope I say her name right because I'm terrible with names. I think it's Drea. It could be D-R-E-A. She might be Dre, but there's an A at the end. Um, she's a, one of our listeners. She sent us some emails that she listens all the time, and she's um, on Twitter at, at Arkham Asylum Doc. She's a clinical psycholo psychologist or psychiatrist 
who um, writes all about comic books and I guess was working with uh, Gail Simone on some of the stuff for Batgirl. So Batgirl oh, wow. has actually um, – so Gail Simone has actually put her in – Batgirl number 16. She will be Batgirl's psychiatrist in um, number 16. And if, if any of our listeners go on her Twitter or her a website, which is called, what is it called? It's called underthemaskonline.com, all one word, underthemaskonline.com. She's got some really great articles all about um, comic books and superheroes and the psychology of it and um, the readers and collectors and female comic book um stereotypes and it's really interesting stuff and and um i invited her on without asking you guys first so i should have asked you first but i invited her to be on the podcast yeah i'm like i should never want to be on here and she's like she she emailed back yeah i'd love to be on so uh then i'm emailed you guys i'm like you know is it okay if i invite somebody on uh and then i was looking at her website and all this stuff i'm like wow she's a lot cooler than i am she probably guys would probably kick me off and make her the the third host (laughs) but um she said after 16 comes out that she'd definitely be on our podcast. So in 2013, we can look forward to seeing her in uh, Batgirl number 16 and having her be on the podcast. And she also sent us uh, an email saying that um, some of our reviews of Batgirl have, haven't been the greatest. So she's ready to argue with us <laughs> about it. So, but I did say I have, I have the last few issues of Batgirl have changed my, um, view of the series and the view of what Gail Simone is doing with it. And I, I, I kind of see a little bit more where she was going and like it a lot more, which is just right in time for Gail Simone to be fired off the book and someone else to take it over. But, um, but so I kind of went on probably longer than you thought. Uh, you probably expected me to say like, you know, Batman Pez or something and move on. But <laughs> I'm expecting 2013 to be a really good year. So, and Dane, how about you? What I, um, Tim took your answer. Have you come up with something else? or? Yeah, yeah, I said just. Okay, good. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That brings up, though, another thing I'm looking forward to in 2013, the ultimate edition of the trilogy to be released. It's really good right, to see what's right. going to be so ultimate about it. Sounds <laughs> like you expect nothing to be ultimate about it. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm getting my hopes up that it's going to be, you know, oh, deleted scenes, commentaries. At the same time, I don't want to get my hopes up where it's just something really cheap to just uh, try to milk the release of the franchise of the Dark Knight trilogy again just to get more money, but I'm hoping that's not the case, but it's got to be called Ultimate for a reason. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's going to be a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> well, a whole lot of things we've already seen. Regardless, I'll probably be getting it anyway. <laughs> It'll probably just be different cover art for each DVD case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... You know, speaking of of the um, Dark Knight Rises, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, the Dark Knight Rises got no Oscar nominations for for uh, 2013 or the 2012 or 2013. But I mean, I, I guess you can kind of turn a negative into a positive. Uh, Anne Hathaway was nominated for that one movie she did. It was Miserable or something like that. <laughs> I yeah, Les Miserables. I probably, yeah, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but yeah, I mean, I. Yes, we can take that as a yeah, win. Yeah, so, that's something. <laughs> Someone from the Dark Knight Rises getting recognized. I mean, seriously, what happened? I mean, the 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 Dark the Dark Knight got what eight or nine Oscar nominations, something like that. Yeah. And then uh, Batman Begins got like three or something. Seems more weird than anything. I mean, yeah, it's disappointing. But how can I not get yeah. 
something like cinematography or the best original Batman score. Forever got yeah. <laughs> yeah. How can The Dark Knight Rises not get how, in how's that at possible? all? I'm curious what that got nominated for. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Costumes? It couldn't be costumes because yeah. those are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Terrence, can you look that up? Which one? The Batman Forever. The Oscar nomination? Yeah. Best Picture? Best, best Director? Use of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> best Use of Nipples on a Costume. <laughs> <laughs> Although I am, now since Batman's not in the running, I am definitely going to... Uh, Pull for Lincoln to win everything because um, I'm as much a history geek as I am a, a comic book geek. But it I never better really it got really nominated did. for like what eleven? Yeah, yeah. 11? Seems awesome. like it will. Uh. It was really good. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it or or into that kind of stuff, but if, if you do, it was really good. Uh, don't spoil how it ends, though. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What's another thing? The whole ten. Uh, Nom- nominees for Best Picture category. I wouldn't be around in case because of the Dark Knight <laughs> back in 2008 when I got snubbed. And now it has 10 categories or 10 nominations for that category. Re-snubbed. It'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Batman Forever was nominated for Best Cinematography, Lost to Braveheart, Best Sound, Lost to Apollo 13, and Sound Editing, which Lost to Braveheart. Hold Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. Uh, I'm sorry, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me by YouTube <laughs> was nominated for a Golden Globe Award for Best Original Song. It lost to Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas, um, <laughs> but was also nominated for the Worst Original Song by the Golden Raspberry Awards, but but lost to Walk Into the Wind from Showgirls. <laughs> you can't even win the raspberries. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, sound editing? What's it? What was so special about that? The sound of that movie. I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, at least it wasn't costume. Because <laughs> that would have been a... <laughs> yeah, the thing is, Batman Forever was much, much more critically acclaimed before yeah. Batman and Robin came out. It was, when yeah. Batman and Robin came out, then people kind of looked at the two together and just looked at the worst parts of Batman <laughs> and Robin, and it got lumped in, but... It, for its time and when it came out in the mid '90s, there and people were like happy and things were going well and everything. It kind of um, it, it wasn't as looked down on um, as it is now. Kind of as a big joke. Yeah. And then yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, Christopher Nolan, you know, didn't help <laughs> its reputation either by coming out with three amazing serious films after. But yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. As a kid, when it came out, I, I liked it when I first saw it. I was like, oh, this is really cool. But then, as the years went by, like, <laughs> I, I like this. This is a Batman. Yeah, and only three movies were, were nominated for sound editing. Braveheart, Batman Forever, and Crimson Tide. <laughs> Beat Crimson Tide. And, <laughs> although here in 1999, this my, uh, The Matrix won for best sound editing. And it, it beat out Fight Club and Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yeah, that's, so, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. Right. The sound of that movie is awesome. The lightsaber battle... I, I should have won an Oscar just for that, for the love of his work for that lightsaber. <laughs> well, I mean, at, at least we know what Star Wars fans feel like now. Yes. Yeah, no, every year at the at the Oscars. Well, so it was 1977 when it first came out, but yeah, yeah just I don't know, zero nomination. Like, how is that possible? I mean, yeah, you cannot like the movie and all that. I could, I could, I can understand it. Not getting like best picture, or best director, and all that. I really wasn't expecting that. But some of like the other categories we were talking about on other podcasts, like like cinematography, best original score, or costume design. 
Right. I don't have the nominations list like in front of me as far as what did get nominated, but it's like what could have been that much more better than what was seen in that movie. Here in um, Batman and Robin, I mean, there are nominations here. For oh, there had the follow up. Yeah, it was nominated for the Saturn Award for Best Fantasy Film uh, <laughs> in categories for Best Makeup and Best Costume. Oh, so I guess you have to be. It'd be a fantasy if that that movie was good. And then Alicia Alicia Silverstone won the Razzie Award for Worst Supporting Actress. So. <laughs> That's good. That's that good. She deserves yeah. it. <laughs> All right. So uh, Best Picture for this year, the nominees are Amour. Never seen that. Argo, Beasts of the Southern Wild, Django Unchained, Life of Pi, Lincoln, of course, Silver Linings Playbook. And Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, well, I've seen none of those movies, so I can't comment that many of them deserve to be in there. But oh, not, wait, a- and Les Miserables. Yeah, besides, like, the ones that you expect, like, Lincoln to be in there. I mean, most yeah. of the other ones, like, I really don't know if they should be in there or not, because I haven't seen any. Some Best actor. I, oh, sorry. I was gonna say, some of them I haven't even heard of. Silver Linings Playbook. Amour. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? But for Best Actor, it's... Bradley Cooper for Silver Linings Playbook, Daniel Day-Lewis for Lincoln, Hugh Jackman for Les Miserables, Joaquin Phoenix for The Master, and Denzel Washington for Flight. And yeah, at least categories like actors and actresses, I really wasn't expecting anything from Dark Knight Rises. Right, right. Okay, so best cinematography. It's Seamus McGarvey for Anna Karenina, uh, Robert Richardson for Django Unchained, uh, Claudio Miranda for Life of Pi, Janice Kaminsky for Lincoln, Roger Deakins for Skyfall. Yeah, and best costume design is uh, Jacqueline Duran for Anna Karenina, uh, Paco DeGaldo for Les Miserables. There's only two. Oh, wait. Oh, oh you gotta be kidding uh, me. No, no. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Joanna Johnston for Lincoln, uh, Aiko Ishioka for Mirror, and Colleen Atwood for Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh, come on. <laughs> Those got nominated instead of Dark Knight, right? Mirror, Mirror, Snow White. And Snow White. Oh. That's a, the Academy has a personal vendetta against Chris Nolan. Uh, I, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, because for directing, it's um, Michael Haneke, Hanek, Haneke, who cares, for a more Ben... Z Ben Zietlin for Beasts of the Southern Wild, Ang Lee for Life of Pi, and Steve, or Steven Spielberg for Lincoln, and David O. Russell for Silver Linings Playbook. Put Chris um, in instead of Silver Linings Playbook. <laughs> <laughs> or Life of Pi. <laughs> well, got, I've heard good things about Life of Pi, so I'm not sure. Or or this this Amora movie. Yeah, I, I've heard nothing about it. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I'm clicking on more information now. <laughs> yeah. All right, so so for makeup and hairstyling, which you know, the Dark Knight Rises could have got nominated for, it's uh, Hitchcock, Howard Berger, Peter Montana, Montagna, and Martin Samuel for that movie Hitchcock, Peter Swords King. Rick Finlanter and Tammy Lane for The Hobbit. I don't know if that deserves it. Yeah, it does. That okay. Was a good uh, or makeup and hairstyle that. And Lisa Westcott and Julie Dartnell for Les Miserables. And for music, Emmy Kwan. Hans yeah. score had to have gotten I know. nominated. It's um, Dario Marianelli 
for Anna Karenina, Alexander Desplat for Argo, Mike, Michael Dana for Life of Pi, John Williams. Well, John Williams deserves it for yeah. Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know he did the score for that. Though. Yeah, me neither. Um, and Thomas Newman for Skyfall. So let's just give it to John Williams. Hopefully he will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, John Williams can get that. Doesn't I matter if, if I never heard the score. I don't know if it's good or not just because it's John Williams. He deserves it. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I do is when, when I watch when I watch it, I'll just root for them and pretend they're they're nominated for their comic book roles, you know. So Tommy Lee Jones needs to win for Best Supporting Actor because he was Two Face, and uh, uh, Sally Field needs to win because she was Aunt May, and we we need uh, Lay Miz to win because that's Wolverine meets Superman's dad meets Catwoman. So you know. There you go. Yeah. So we have stuff to root for now. Uh, but besides that, what a what a bus this year. For yeah. It. Who cares about the Academy Awards anymore? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really doesn't change anything as far as like the movie. Oh, just because it didn't get nominated, I don't feel it does good anymore. Either. <laughs> Hopefully, you don't think that because it doesn't really mean anything. Just a little disappointed that it's not getting some of the recognition that, at least right. anyway, we think it deserves. Did either of you guys see Skyfall? No. I only saw no. four movies this year, and okay. three of them were the comic book movies. The other was The Hobbit. <laughs> you know, I didn't see it either. I haven't seen a James Bond movie in years, but um, either, yeah. this week I took the online test to be on Jeopardy. Oh, yeah? And it's, it's really hard. It's like you have what? to register for it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyone can take it and to, to be a contestant on Jeopardy. Anyone can sign up. Anyone can take it. But it's... um. 50 questions, and you only have 15 seconds for each question, and you have to read it and then type your answer in the 15 seconds. So it, 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 most some of the questions, I could barely finish reading it in 15 seconds. They were so long. And uh, one of the questions was, um, this: the title of this James Bond movie comes from James Bond's um, ancestral lands in Scotland. And I couldn't think, and I was thinking it might be Skyfall, but I couldn't come up with the name Skyfall, and so I just... Typed anything quick, so I put down Octopussy because I knew that was, <laughs> knew that wasn't right, but I thought that was the funniest sounding James Bond movie that they've ever had. So, um, but I didn't know it was. Now, and I I will not be appearing on Jeopardy anytime soon after that. It was really hard. I just remember one Jeopardy episode where the final Jeopardy uh, clue was, or the final Jeopardy question was, uh, Darth Vader. <laughs> Like, oh really? Yeah, it was like, oh, if only if I was on that episode, I could have won. <laughs> yeah, all of the Warner Brothers uh, push they're making for the Oscar nominations didn't help because you saw all the posters and videos they were <laughs> sending out for the Academy. I guess it didn't work. Did not help whatsoever <laughs> in nothing. Yeah. It didn't help at all. Uh, but moving on to some more bad news. <laughs> um, Diamond has announced the top-selling comics for 2012, and Batman and DC didn't win anything, or didn't come in first in anything. Uh, the top ten graphic novels, uh, The Walking Dead, pretty much stomped on Batman. That dominated. Not- yeah. The, uh, the highest-ranking one is... Batman Earth 1 at number 3 for the top 10 graphic novel, novels of 2012, followed up by uh, the number 8 spot with the Court of Owls trade. I just still find it hard to believe that for the individual comics sales, yeah. it didn't crack the top 10. Like, none of the Snyder's Batman stuff was able to crack the top 10 for the whole year. Well, I mean, yeah. it was all pretty much, it was like, the Walking Dead, it was all Marvel stuff. Yeah, some people were complaining because... 
Diamond Conquered the... I mean, apparently X-Men and Avengers got a crossover. Yeah, that was a big event for them last year. Yeah, and that was the number one, two, three, four, five, I think, of the top ten single issues of 2012. Yeah, I think uh, Spider-Man number 700 went up there. I was pretty quick, too. That just came out yeah. a little over a month ago. Yeah, so, so you're telling me something that came out a couple months ago beat everything that DC put out throughout the year? I know. Well, I know it was a big thing with everything that happened to Peter Parker in that issue. It's the final issue of Amazing Spider-Man, so I'm sure that's what helped it. But, yeah, it's still, still surprising to me that nothing of DC was in the top ten for the whole year. Everything like Justice League, Batman, those, those were all selling real good when the New 50 started. New 52 started back in 2011. Yeah. Apparently, I guess the momentum for those books didn't carry in 2012 if it didn't make the top ten. <laughs> you want to talk about drop-off. <laughs> I oh. mean, if they're selling really good in 2011... And then 2012, nothing. Well, I think Marvel, I'm sorry, Marvel picked their game up. But go ahead, finish. I'm sorry, Dana. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think Marvel picked their game up with their whole Marvel now. I don't really read Marvel, um, but they've kind of had their kind of new 52 with the Marvel now, and the X, um, A vs. X was big. But there's a, a really good website. Uh, it's called Comicron, C-O-M-I-C-H-R-O-N.com, and the guy who runs that puts up everything you would ever want to know about comic book sales and year-to-year sales and trade paperbacks. I mean, it is just a slew of information. Um, and trolling on it a little bit today, the sales are still really, really good for Batman, where it was before the New 52 started, because uh, looking at, like, July 2011 – that will be, which is kind of like the the first full month before the new 52 started with the whole thing. Um, the number one monthly book for for DC was Green Lantern, which sold about 74,521 copies. Uh, their number one book overall was Flashpoint, number three at 86,000. So now in, in November of 2002, the number one DC book was Batman, um, which was number two overall at 159,000. And uh, before the new 52, Batman was selling, it was uh, number 22 overall. It was selling about 51,000 copies a month. And so now it's selling about three times that in the new 52 with Snyder and Capullo. Um, and even the the titles like Batgirl, as much as I love Stephanie Brown, she was selling, she was 96th overall. Batgirl number 23, it sold about 22,000 copies. Batgirl number 17, I'm sorry, Batgirl was number 17 overall and selling about 77,000 copies, almost, you know, um, what was that, like four times as much there, almost. So overall, from where it was before the New 52 to where it is now, the only one that's not doing as well is Batman Inc. Batman Incorporated has kind of really dropped. That was selling, that's, um, when number one came out, that was the number two comic overall, sold almost 100,000 copies. Now it's 33 overall, selling about half that. So, except for, and Dark Knight kind of um, fell a little bit too. Before the new 52, actually, the Dark Knight um, was the number one selling Batman book, and that was selling about 60,000 <laughs> copies. Yeah. People read it. <laughs> right. It's actually still selling about the same amount of copies as it was pre-52, as post-52. It's just the other books have done so much better that it's dropped to, like, 28th overall. Um, and Green Lantern is still is about the same as it was pre-52, post-52. Um, but I'm surprised by The Walking Dead because 
I know you're a big Walking Dead fan, Dane, and I know it has a huge yeah. following on TV, but its monthly comic book sells, it sells good, but it sells, you know, n- not outstanding. On number issue 104 was the 34th best selling comic overall, sold about 57,000 yeah. comics. So I'm, well, I'm, well, I mean, I'll, I'll tell yeah, you what, why ahead. that is, is because, yeah. um, a lot of the fans of the Walking Dead TV show aren't comic book readers. And what they did was, or my theory is they bought the trades. Mm-hmm. They don't buy the single issues. They wait for the trades to come out. So that's why I think it dominated on the trade, the, the graphic novels, the trades, and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I just think, too, DC didn't really have a big crossover event this year, kind of like what Marvel had with Avengers versus X-Men, and then plus that led into Marvel now. I mean, DC had, like, some events going on in their own separate books, like, of course, like, Court of Owls, Death of the Family, and Green Lantern, Rise of the Third Army, but no big, massive event for their year, which they, was Flashpoint was the last one in 2011, so I'm sure that didn't help as far as their sales, because those always usually boost up sales when they have a big event book. That's probably why Marvel dominated in the individual issue category, anyway. Yeah, was, and the other... Th- Oh, sorry. Go I was going to say, we'll see if that changes with uh, this year with the whole uh, Trinity War event that's supposed to happen. Yeah, and the other thing I was just going to add, too, to what you were saying, was that uh, this doesn't include any digital sales. I mean, DC and I think Marvel, too, doesn't it uh, uh, release what they sell digitally? So it's curious to know how, much, how well the digital sales are doing. And, you know, if the print sales are up and digital just keeps getting more and more, sales overall must be up. Um, and Marvel, though, it, they do, they have their Marvel Mondays on, uh, where they have 99 cent issues and they're usually pretty current. DC drives me nuts because they do er- sporadically, like they'll have a weekend here or a weekend there where they'll, they'll put a lot of books for 99 yeah. cents, but they're always pre-52 books. They're never any of the new stuff and, um, or they're very rarely new stuff. And one, I think that would confuse new readers. So if you, like, maybe picked up an issue of Batgirl, and you're looking at it, and you're like, oh, this looks good. And then they, you see the Batgirl 99 cent sale, but they're all Cassandra Cain and, uh, you know, Stephanie Brown issues, or, or some of the, some of the can, like Superman had a 99 cent sale the other day, and it was like all stuff, and he has changed a lot. You know, he's married to Lois Lane in these, some of these issues, and it had, I think it had like four different, Superman origins that were all different. It had like the Man of Steel from the 80s. It had, you know, the Secret Superman origin. Birthright, Secret Origin. And I mean, that, that would just confuse readers as opposed to, to get new readers on board. Um, but, um, I'd love to know how sales are digitally, but we probably will never know. Keep that secret. <laughs> yeah, the one good thing though with the diamond list that came out was that DC is pretty close to Marvel in both a retail and unit market share. For a retail market share, Marvel was at 34%, DC was at 31%. And then the unit market share was pretty close, at 37% for Marvel and 36 for DC. So they're closing, closing in on that, but just, it's not the individual issue. <laughs> this is catching up <laughs> for 2012. Yeah. yeah, it's funny, but, I mean, j- just take the retail market share. Look at Marvel's number, look at DC's number, and then look at Images, which is the third Look at the yeah. difference in that. Thirty-one <laughs> percent to it drops to seven percent. So I guess we can take comfort in knowing that DC is light years ahead of Image <laughs> and yeah. IDW and Dark Horse, Dynamite, Boom, Eagle Moss, whatever that is. And <laughs> yeah. then oh, Image Comics. I mean, besides Spawn, what really do they have anymore? I mean, because at least Dark Horse and uh, 
IDW, they have like licensing comics. Walking Dead. I mean, uh, besides that, there's other stuff. That's yeah, because <laughs> yeah, Image. Yeah, used I don't have no. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just say Image had a huge ta- market share. Like just clicking on in 1994, Image's market share it was Marvel 31 percent, DC 20 percent, Image 14 percent. Yeah, that's when they're just. So, Getting big and coming out, I think. I believe so. It was the early '90s when they first started, right? Yeah, mid mid early '90s. Uh, yeah, they were. It was like Marvel was number one, and then DC and Image were kind of almost number two. Um, and then, um, yeah, a lot of Image just couldn't hold it together, I guess, because all their creators had too much independence, and they all jumped ship. And <laughs> Jim Lee is now with DC, and you know Rob Liefeld in DC, and. All right, well, maybe we should stop talking about bad news and getting all <laughs> yeah. depressed over it. <laughs> um, but Michael Keaton, I guess he was on this WTF with Mark Marin podcast. Yeah, he's on a, like, a, a podcast, and then, of course, mm. the conversation went towards Batman. Yeah. And how he yeah. revealed that kind of what they did in Batman Begins is what he wanted to do for the third Batman movie, which obviously <laughs> wasn't what Batman Forever ended up being. We kind of did it with the whole rose thing and the rose falling and those flashbacks and stuff like that. Uh, (laughs) Um, (laughs) But his his direct quote is, the guy who's doing them now, Chris Nolan, he's so talented, it's crazy. Christian Bell is so talented, it's so good. But I see that like I've seen them. And I actually haven't. <laughs> I didn't even see much of the second one that I did. You look at where he went, which is exactly what I wanted to do when I was having meetings about the third one. I said, "You want to see how this guy started? We've got a chance here to fix whatever kind of what <laughs> to fix whatever we kind of maybe went off. <laughs> this could be brilliant. Um, didn't want to do it, so I didn't want to do it." So maybe that's why he left, right? Yeah, apparently more the creative differences, I guess, got in the way. <laughs> yeah, but it's so funny how he can talk about this stuff, but he hasn't actually seen the Nolan movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That he hasn't even seen Batman Returns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know, I think it's kind of funny that how successful uh, Batman Begins was and all of Nolan's Batman movies were. A lot of the directors and I guess now actors with Michael Keaton now they're starting to say oh this is what we wanted to do before like you get Joel Schumacher has said that that he wanted to do an origin story of Batman now Michael Keaton's saying that he wanted to do an origin story of Batman it's kind of like they saw how successful it was and saying well we wanted to do it first and we could have been no, successful you guys didn't. too no, you guys did it. Batman and Robin <laughs> I mean even Batman Forever I don't I don't think you even had that idea in your head back then <laughs> Joe Schumacher. <laughs> uh, it's kind of just like they're jumping on the bandwagon and trying to say, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. we could have done that too. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, some old director saying, I wanted to do what George Lucas did with Star Wars. And it's like, but no, you did. did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, even if they did do it, I'm pretty confident that it wouldn't have been as good as what Christopher Nolan did in Batman right. Begins. Of course not. Don't you guys want to see a Joel Schumacher take on your one? No, no, I I never want to see that. I think that'll just kill my my interest in Batman whatsoever. And how would Michael Keaton? I mean, he looked old even in playing Bruce Wayne and Batman. Batman Returns. (laughs) They're doing an origin story when he first started. (laughs) 
Uh, I don't know how that would have worked out. <laughs> you see Bruce Wayne training with glasses on. That <laughs> 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 he could take off dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> he gets he gets his training from the the League of Shadows. Like if you ever confront the Joker, find a silver plate, put it under your shirt. It'll protect you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about that. Like, how did he know that uh, he was going to get shot there? Because right. I mean. Well, in every single movie, it's always a headshot. It's yeah. always a headshot. So I don't know how he would know that he would get shot there. Well, he just wanted to obviously play it safe. He had to protect, wanted to protect himself somehow. <laughs> and just lucked yeah. out that that's where the Joker shot. And then and then just leave it there and not tell Vicky oh, yeah. Bell. You're okay. <laughs> but it's like in the movie Dumb and Dumber, they do that where they put a bulletproof vest on him and they shoot him. And he's like, well, what if he would have shot me in the face? And he's like, that's a risk we were willing to take. Like, <laughs> even Dumb and Dumber, like, acknowledges that. <laughs> Batman, nope, it's okay. Shoot him right in the chest. Yeah, he does get shot a lot in those two movies. In the beginning, when he first appeared, right. those two thugs shoot him. The Joker in that scene. And then in Batman Returns, the police shoot him. Well, they think he threw the ice princess off or whatever. <laughs> Batman is supposed to be quick enough to dodge, dodge all those bullets, but no, he gets shot. Not, like, not Michael Keaton. He couldn't figure it out back then, like how to how to like get him agile. <laughs> well, yeah. he wasn't agile on that suit. That was the problem. Yeah, it, it, it's always so funny. Like um, you know, when I watch '89, and then Jack Nicholson falls into the vat of chemicals, and then oh. the police show up, and then he shoots his um, the the bad grapple up. And, like, he has to move his entire upper torso. Like, <laughs> yeah. he has to, like, bend it back to um, to look up there. Yeah. <laughs> he moves so slowly up there, too. Yeah. <laughs> you want to make a quick getaway, you got to move faster than that. That thing must have been really heavy. The, the, the sure suit. Was. Yeah, it was, like, 150 pounds. He can't run in it. <laughs> but it still looks so cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> What is your guy's favorite suit out of all the movies, including the Nolan's one? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I'm still yeah. I love how the first uh, 89 Batman movie suit looks. But there's something about it that I just think looks really cool. I don't know if it's the the yellow shaped uh, symbol on the bat suit, or I don't know. This looks like yeah, the ears yeah, are bigger too, which I like. Yeah, you see, I'm torn between uh, the silver suit. The, the George Clooney silver suit or the 66 uh, yeah. bat suit with the eyebrows. <laughs> and the, the no muscle definition whatsoever <laughs> on the suit. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah. She did a yeah. molded plastic to improve his physique. Pure West. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no. It, it's, it's probably the Chris Nolan, the. Um, the the motorcycle helmet one. I get to go with eighty nine. I like that one a lot. Yeah, even Batman Returns is pretty good too. It only wasn't that different. I think just a little bit of like yeah. body armor that he wore. On. It was just like the yeah, shoes. and it was lighter too. Like yeah, lighter in color. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't have that black. But like the my my one problem with the the Michael Keaton bat suit is um, it didn't mold his face very well. Like he, he, you could see like spaces between his face, the skin on his face, and the suit. And that always bothered me, especially when he turned his head in the um, the Batwing in Batman Returns. Like he turns his head to press a couple buttons or whatever, and then you can see you can clearly see his face, like his entire cheek. <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, now that you mentioned it, there are certain shots where it does. Yeah, you can see inside, kind of. Yeah, it's like it doesn't fit him that well. But it's probably just so he can move a little. 
You know what suit I liked a lot too? It was um on that fan made film. If you ever seen Batman Dead End, yeah, yeah, that one was that was good. Yeah, I was like when I first saw that, I was like, how hard is that to do in the movie? It's just like how it looks in the comics, but yet it works. And that's how it could work in film too if it did it that way. I thought it was really cool too. Yeah, it was a lot like the animated series, uh, like the Justice League, yeah. Unlimited kind of Batman. I liked that a lot. My only knock on it was the ears were a little bigger. His ears were just a little too small for me. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Same thing with uh, Christian Bale's costume. Was the ears if they were just a little bigger, it'd been perfect. That's why. Yeah, yeah. but, the, Part of the yeah, but then why. it, it would have looked like funny. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Guess we'll never know. Unless someone makes a fan costume combining both Keaton's and <laughs> Christian Bale's. I like the the costume, too, in Arkham Asylum. And I get, you can change them around and stuff, too. But that, you know, that holds up even when you're um, zooming in and stuff. It's got cool texture to it. Yeah. Have I ever told you guys about the, the um, picture I found with me standing next to a guy in the bat, Batman suit? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like uh, I went over to my parents' house. My mom was like, hey, Dane, look what I found. And then I looked at the picture, and it's me as a kid. Um, standing next to or taking a picture with this guy in a bat suit. Except it's not a bat suit. It's pretty much just the cowl that you could get when um, uh, <laughs> when Batman Returns came out. Okay. The, the one that just covers your face and um, does it, like, does it like front. cover your back or whatever? Yeah, yeah it I does think cover, I have one cover like the top of your head <laughs> or the back of your head. It's him with that on. And he's wearing like a black sweatshirt and black sweatpants and like white shoes and you can see his socks it's like his white socks and it's like wow I can't believe I think that was at like a friend's party or something I was like are you serious like you couldn't get like a better that suit <laughs> you couldn't think of anything better and the guy was like to, the guy had to have been like 300 pounds <laughs> <laughs> because like Do you even have the bat symbol logo? No, it was just like a black sweatshirt and black <laughs> black uh sweatpants. But then I, I I get that because Batman returns, Batman was in black. But then why the white socks and shoes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that. You couldn't find black socks and black shoes. <laughs> yeah. You gotta send me that picture so I can use that for the cover art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the hell was I thinking? Yeah, and it's so funny because um, we're standing by the beach. And it's like a beautiful sunny day, and it's so weird to see a fat guy dressed in a bat suit, <laughs> made up bat <laughs> on a beach. <laughs> but were you in awe of him as a kid? Were you like, oh, I'm taking a picture of that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I must have been. <laughs> oh my god, that's so cool! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, Batman is at my friend's birthday party. Yeah, sure, he gained a lot of weight, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> still, <laughs> still cool. You mean an Batman be here? Batman's here, and it looks like the cake is good, too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, I, yeah. I had to go to a um, – this is back when I was in elementary school. And then um, it was the Halloween production or whatever. And then um, – I can't remember what I dressed up as. I think I dressed up as a Ninja Turtle. And then, uh, nice. like, somebody's dad or brother or whoever showed up in, in the Darth Vader outfit, the full suit. And then I was like, oh, my God, there's Darth Vader, and I want to take a picture with him. And then um, I asked my mom to take a picture with him, and then she was like, okay, okay, we'll ask him. And then, like, I was still excited. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, there's Darth Vader. And then the guy had to step up on a curb, but he didn't see it. 
and he tripped and he fell. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to be, I don't want to take my picture with this fake Darth Vader. Like, oh, yeah. That clearly is not Darth Vader. Darth Vader would have sensed that curve. <laughs> yeah. Did his helmet fall off and everything? <laughs> yeah, I think I told you this, it cracked. Like the, the oh. um, like the, the part that goes on top, you know, like the helmet part. Yeah. It cracked, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's not Darth Vader, because Darth Vader's outfit would not crack. <laughs> I'm sure the Empire had a lot better materials. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> but anyways. Did you ever see oh, that wait. movie? Uh, oh, is, did you ever see the movie called Confessions of a Superhero? Oh, with, like, those people it's on all Hollywood the Boulevard. Right, all the yeah, people who dress up on Hollywood Boulevard as superheroes. Yeah. yeah, it's it's actually good for a laugh. It's I'm kinda, sure it is. It was up, yeah, but the guy who dresses up as Batman has all these anger management <laughs> issues and stuff. Yeah. Uh, those people. <laughs> yeah, it mostly focuses on the Superman guy and the Wonder Woman character, but yeah, it's kind of... It's kind of funny to see. Anyways, maybe we should talk about... Um, Let's see, what else do we have, Tim? Oh, James. yeah. Uh, James Tinian is going to take over Red Hood and the Owls, and maybe that, that'll that finally be a good book. Yeah, I'm hoping. <laughs> I mean, anything is going to be an improvement, I think, over it, at least for the first <laughs> few issues I read, <laughs> from what I heard about the remainder of the issues. But um, I haven't read any more of Talon. I read the Zero issue when it first came out. It was good, but... Um, Oh, it was, didn't really, I don't think it was the title I really wanted to get into as far as following it every month, but I heard good things about it, and James Tinian did good on some of the backups for a Court of Owls, so hopefully it could bring that to Red Hood and the Outlaws and make it readable. Hopefully have it focus on Jason Todd more than <laughs> that would It's not that hard, just focus on Jason, Jason Todd. <laughs> yeah. But like, um, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that, um, DC didn't, decide to go outside of DC to get a new writer for Red Hood and they, they decided to stay in house and do it. And I mean the fact that James Tinney in the fourth is pretty much Scott Snyder's protege is something to get <laughs> yes, Padawan is something to get excited yeah. about. I'm kinda of surprised I didn't I wonder if they even thought about bringing uh, Judd Winnick back to write for Jason Todd. <laughs> yeah, what is he doing now? Do you know? He's not doing uh, Batwing anymore. He's not he's off yeah. Batwoman. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. Oh, well. Hey, but it's good news. Finally, some good news after all that. <laughs> Negative news week. <laughs> DC got beaten down. Dark Knight Rises got no nominations at the Oscar. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's it for news, unless you guys wanted to talk about anything else. Uh, no, I didn't have any any other news. I think that's it. Other than I'd just say James Tinian uh, going to Red Hood should be good. I've been I have been reading Talon, um, and I actually wasn't going to read it this month, but then for some reason on uh, the Apple um, app for uh, DC, it had it for a dollar ninety nine on X, so I went ahead and bought it, and then like five minutes later it was back to two ninety nine. So I I beat the system for a dollar, <laughs> and uh, or they got two bucks out of me. Uh, and it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So um, it's the only my only issue with the series is that you know now all of a sudden all this Court of Owls stuff is coming out, and they control this bank, and they control the more Court of Owls stuff. You think 
well, maybe Bruce Wayne isn't the world's greatest detective if he if he never knew about the Court of Allen. But that's just because the writing and it never existed and all that stuff. But uh, aside from that little, you know, uh, break with reality, it's it's actually a pretty good um, series. And it actually, I, I don't know if other people would have this feel, but I kind of have the feel that it feels a lot like that old Asriel series, how Asriel spun out of Batman. And uh, so I think he's been doing a great job with ta- um, Talon, and I think... Any change in Red Hood, I think, would be better because I've not really been a big fan of that. So that'd be good. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up um, Apple or iTunes or whoever's screwing up the prices because I don't know if you guys remember, but when uh, Led Zeppelin first came to iTunes, mm-hmm. um, they launched with the uh, Mothership box set. Yes. And that was listed for like nine ninety nine, and it was supposed to be like. like <laughs> Like thirty bucks or something, <laughs> and, then like, and then I saw. So at first I thought it was like, I thought it was because it, it it launched with. I mean the album is called Mothership, and it's pretty much their greatest hit. So they had a regular version and they had this box set, and so I thought it was just the regular edition. So I clicked on it and then I looked in my downloading thing, and it had like forty songs on it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I just bought that for nine ninety nine, and then I went back, and then I seen the real price, and I was like, "Wow, I got I got this for a steal." <laughs> nice, yeah. They didn't back charge cool. you, like they charge you the thirty nine anyway. Later. No, 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 no. I was <laughs> I was paying close attention to my iTunes receipt, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "It's like wow, I didn't get charged for that. It's pretty sweet." <laughs> this is it for news, and before we get into comics, uh, listen to this. This is something Gary and I recorded, and I could not stop laughing the entire week after he did this. Um, so, enjoy. Steve J. Rogers, this one's for you. Gary, go. Oh, wait, not yet. Steven Rogers. I know looks can be deceiving But I know I saw a light in you And as we walked We were talking I didn't say half the things I wanted to (laughs) Of all the girls Tossing rocks at your window I'll be the one Waiting there Even when it's cold Hey Steven boy You might have me believing I don't always have to be alone when I'm with you Cause I can't help it If you look like an angel Can't help it if I wanna Kiss you in the rain So come feel this magic I've been feeling since I met you Can't help it if there's no one else mm, I can't help myself <laughs> Steven Rogers likes Batman Steven, I've been holding back this feeling, so I've got some things to say to you. <laughs> ha! I've seen it all, so I thought, but I never seen your body shine the way you do. <laughs> the way you walk, the way you talk, where you say my name. It's beautiful, wonderful, don't you ever change. Hey, Steven, why are people always leaving? I think you and I should stay the same. 
Cause I can't help it if you look like an angel Can't help it if I wanna kiss you in the rain So come feel this magic I've been feeling since I met you Can't help it if there's no one else Mmm, I can't help myself <laughs> Steven Rogers you're so over dimming the street lights. You're so perfect for me. Why aren't you here tonight? I'm waiting alone now, so come on and come out and pull me near. Shine, shine, shine. What a weird word. Hey, Stephen, I could give you 50 reasons why I should be the one you choose. All those other girls, well, they're beautiful, but would they write a song for you? Ha ha ha. I can't help it if you look like an angel. That's actually weird, but I can't help it if I want to kiss you in the rain. So, come feel this magic I've been feeling since I met you. Can't help it if there's no one else. you in the rain so I come feel this magic I've been feeling since I met you can't help it if there's no one else mmm I can't help myself mmm myself mmm Steven Rogers mmm I can't help myself I can't help myself uh-huh Rogers has his own theme song now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> wow. Bravo, bravo. I wonder how he's going to take that. You know, maybe. <laughs> I could go many different ways. <laughs> Gary could get a knock on his door late at night one night. <laughs> it's an angel. <laughs> yeah. I never know you felt that way. Feeling is mutual. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what made you guys do that? <laughs> I um, I go into work. I turn on the radio on my computer, and the first song is a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, you know what would be really funny if Gary sung this? <laughs> it was so funny. Man, who guess Gary had that kind of voice? <laughs> He's done a bunch of songs too for me. Like that that night we recorded a bunch of songs. We recorded like Coldplay songs and uh Billy Idol songs. And like a bunch of Taylor Swift songs. I listen to so much Taylor Swift. It's not even funny. I was just like, hmm, would Gary sound good singing this? You think you listen to a lot of Taylor Swift. I've got a seven year old daughter and a twelve year old daughter. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to the concert again in September, yeah. so yeah, it's like nonstop here. Do you want to know a way to turn them turn them off from Taylor Swift? How's that? Have them listen to that. 
<laughs> that song they carry. Yeah. Yeah. Was that song called Steven or something? Hey, Steven. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so after that nightmare, (laughs) uh, we can finally get into some comics, which you've been waiting for forever. Uh, I'm Uh, sure you weren't waiting for a Taylor Swift song to come on on a Batman podcast. Sung by Gary. Oh, trust me, we got a lot of Taylor Swift songs. <laughs> uh, but for comic reviews, uh, it's going to be a lot of spoilers. If you haven't read them yet, you might want to come back to this part of the podcast after you've read the comics. But for January 2nd, we have Batman the Dark Knight, number 15, Batman Inc., number 6, Teen Titans, number 15, which is a death of the family tie-in. Uh, Batman, and we have Batman Beyond num- Unlimited number 11. For January number 9th, we have Batwing number 16 and Detective Comics number 16. Um, and our rating system for this week is going to be actors and directors that said... What was it, Tim? Batman actors and directors. Oh, right. Who wanted to do a Batman origin story after Chris Nolan did Batman Begins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to mess that up every single time. <laughs> All right, so for January 2nd, Tim, why don't you start things off with Batman the Dark Knight number 15? Yes, sir. So this issue concludes the Scarecrow story arc, and when I read it, I couldn't help but think of the final uh, issue for Greg Howard's Penguin uh, arc that or that miniseries that he did from last year, just in the fact because kind of like that issue – didn't feel it was the best way to wrap up what was a really good story. Just a lot of it, what was going on, kind of mirrored what happened in that Penguin issue. Because in this one, Scarecrow and Lisa is toxin on Gotham City, and everyone's just going mad crazy and killing each other, really. It just kind of reminded me where, in the last issue of the Penguin story arc, where he released all those penguins to wreak havoc on, Go- wreak havoc on Gotham. And it just felt like those are two unnecessary things that where he just felt like, oh, the city has to be in peril in some way where it just felt unnecessary to the overall story. But like that last Penguin issue, this one did have some moments that I liked. There was a cool moment between Batman and Damien where the only way to get an antidote for all the people infected by the Scarecrow toxin, uh, Batman's the only one who has antibodies for it because he was captured by Scarecrow and got exposed to it earlier. So the only way for him to do it is to, like, there's no time for him to use his blood and his antibodies to synthesize an antidote. So what he has to do is like go on the bad plane, use his own blood, like to sp- use that, filter it out and spray it as a toxin to cure everybody through the bad plane. So he's using his own blood to do that and it's just like really draining him. He's going to die. But he just makes Damien, like he asked Damien, his Alfred's telling him, don't do this, I won't let you do it. He just goes, let me talk to Damien. Like Damien, promise me you won't bring me home until I'm finished and this whole city is cured from Scarecrow's toxin. And he's just like getting weaker and weaker as he's flying around the Gotham City, giving him the antidote and Damien's like he's listening to him he goes I can't bring him home I promise even though he's on the brink of death and Alfred's like yelling at him you have to bring him home now hurry up but Damien's like stays true he made a promise he's going to do it and so Batman of course survives he doesn't die but he's like real close and this Alfred kind of gives Damien and Batman the cold shoulder at the end where he's not even speaking to him like how could you do this how can you risk his life and all that I like that aspect of it but just the whole premise of the city being in peril Batman has to save it just felt unnecessary because at the end there was no final showdown between him and the Scarecrow. We got that in the last issue, which is really great and could have been a good conclusion to it. 
But in this one, he pretty much he uses that little girl to pinpoint like Scarecrow's safe house throughout all this. All he does is bust the door open, and Scarecrow pretty much just collapses on his own. He doesn't really do anything. He just takes him into custody, and that was it. And I felt I wanted to get more closure on why Scarecrow spared that little girl and why he has this connection to her. We really didn't get that at all. All we see is he looks through the binoculars from his safe house, and he sees her in the police window, and he kind of has this, like, sad look on his face. But there's no explanation as to why he saved her in the last issue or what he saw in her that made him made him feel sympathy for her, I guess. But we never got any closure to that. But if anything, I just felt it was kind of an unnecessary way to conclude the story arc. If they added little moments from the previous issue, because I felt that wrapped it off pretty good. Batman beats Scarecrow, and if they just had the section where um, they brought him into custody at the end of this issue, it would have been wrapped up in issue number uh, 14 instead of 15. So there was things that I liked about it, but I just kind of felt it was unnecessary. It doesn't hurt the overall Scarecrow arc as a whole. I felt it was really good. So probably going to have to give it just down the middle, two and a half out of five directors and actors from Batman movies who wanted to say they wanted to do an origin story after Christopher Nolan made Batman Begins. Wow, that was long. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, so just two and a half out of five for this one for me. And then, Dane, you didn't read it, correct? Yeah, I I didn't read I didn't get get a chance to get down to my comic store, so, right. uh, so I haven't I'll, read any comics. So I'll I'll go and spoil it here for you. Um, I like this I like this more than Tim did. Um, the you know David Finch is getting ready to leave the book, so it's kind of a little nostalgic to see you know like oh this is some of his last issues or last panels. Um, it's kind of like in the same week that the Yankees lost uh, Nick Swisher. He won't be a Yankee anymore. He'll be an Indian. We won't have David Unfortunately. Finch. Unfortunately. It's not as bad as, like, losing a Cy Young Award winner in the same year. You know, like, Ari Dickey, Mets, sorry. I, my brother's a huge Mets fan. Dane's a huge Mets fan. So i got to rub a little salt in that room. But, you know, we got Mariano Rivera coming back, the all-time save leader. So, you know, we've, we'll have uh, some great artists on the Dark Knight. Uh, but the thing I struck me about this book is I thought to myself, wow, David Finch draws an amazing Batman while he's sitting down. I mean, <laughs> Batman is sitting. It opens up. The first panel is Batman. Uh, Bruce Wayne is laying in bed, sitting down, watching TV, which is just kind of a little odd. Like, I don't know, imagine uh, <laughs> Bruce Wayne channel surfing. <laughs> and then um, he gets into, um, I don't know what, if they gave it a name, but it's like a bat plane kind of thing. And so when I counted for 17 panels, Batman is either sitting in the Batplane or you see the Batplane and just know he's sitting in it. Um, and then when he gets done with the um, Batplane, he's laying on a bed getting a blood transfusion. And then um, after all that, he's in six panels sitting down eating breakfast with uh, Damien and, and Alfred until he finally confronts the Scarecrow, who is in kind of a little bit more of an action pose. He's kind of like half sitting, half standing leaning on a desk and then he just collapses um but um to this I, I had the feeling it's like if you ever had the toys with batman and you had some kind of bat plane or star wars uh like uh x-wing and, and running around the house with it this kind of reminded me of that um but well joking aside the artwork was really good um there was one they did it again where they flip robin and his r is backwards on it um and I don't know why that bugs me so much. Maybe it's just anal compulsiveness. It's the scene where uh, Batman is uh, laying on the um, 
the bed and, or the medical bed and, and Alfred is uh, restarting his heart and you can see it. And oddly enough, I was watching the, the 1960s Batman movie today and the opening credits, they have it flipped on uh, Burt Ward as he comes up. His R is backwards on one scene. So I'm like, what is going on here? Uh, but um, overall, I like the story because it um, it was a little gross in that Batman had to spread his blood all over Gotham because it had the antibodies to cure everybody from the scarecrow. And there's all these scenes of, I guess it's his blood shooting out all over the, the city. But he basically tells Damien, you know, don't whatever, whatever happens with me, whatever the medical, you know, medical readings say, don't stop till it's done. You know, promise me. And Damien promises and he doesn't. He, he goes all the way to the end there. Uh, but the way it's drawn and uh, you can just see that look of like uh, anguish in Damien's face. Like he really cares about his father. He really wants his father to be okay, but yet it's still true to his character where he would, you know, sacrifice everything. Both of them, Bruce and Damien would sacrifice everything to save the city. So that aspect, I, I like that. Um, and, um, and then it, at the end, it kind of wraps things up with that um, woman that Bruce was dating, the piano player, um, Natalia, which I probably am guessing that not much will go on with that, but I don't know if or if anything does go on with that, it'll probably be confined to this book and not spread to the other pages. And then I like the ending where Scarecrow's kind of like, yeah, well, I've got like this vial of gas, you know, s stitched into the lining of my pants. And then as the guards throw him in, it, they accidentally uh, throw him into a cell, I should say. Uh, it accidentally erupts and it ends with the Scarecrow going crazy with his own gas trapped in Arkham. Um, so I thought that was a, a pretty cool ending. Um, so overall, I think I liked it um, more than you did, Tim. Uh, and I'm, you know, it's sorry to see David Finch leave because he's an excellent artist, but he will be doing other stuff in the DC universe. Uh, and but looking forward to Ethan Van Skyver coming aboard. Um, and I would give this, I'd give it a, a four writers, artists, or, or artists. No, actors. I'm sorry. I'd give it four actors and directors who wanted to do a Batman Year One story after Christopher Nolan already did Batman Begins. And then that would lead us to our next book, which would be Batman Incorporated number six. So what would you think of that one, Tim? Yeah, I have to say this is probably the best Batman Inc. issue since the relaunch of the New 52 I mean, this, when I was reading this issue, the whole thing of it not fitting in the normal continuity of the New 52 as far as what's going on with the Joker actually didn't bother me at all just because what was going on in this issue was really cool. So I just like the whole aspect of Batman and Talia kind of going at it as he's making it away into that uh, building that she has hostages in and she kind of has all the other Batman Incorporated members trapped inside after the explosion. I just love the intro of it where you see Batman come down and that one panel with all like his bat robots and his drones following him right there. I just love how those robots look. They look really cool. <laughs> but just like Batman running through the gauntlet of this building where he has to go through some Italia's enemies all while she's like messing with his mind and telling him about Damien and what her real plans and how Damien, he has to make the choice of either Damien or Gotham City. This is kind of what this whole thing is about. He has to choose what he loves more, which I thought was pretty cool. And then just the things that they were doing to those hostages, there was that one sequence where it looked like Batman's going to save them. But then when Talia's henchman comes in, they're all tied up on a rope that you see, but then he has, comes in with this big boulder that that rope's tied up to. And Batman doesn't get to save him as he throws that boulder down, and everyone starts 
falls down with and start hanging. It was like really messed up stuff that Talia was doing to not only the hostages, but the Batman Incorporated members. I think the big thing in this issue was that um, one of the members actually gets killed for Night and Squire. You see that after the explosion, he's nice trying to revive Squire, and he does. But as he revives her, one of the Talia's henchmen, I forget, I don't know if he has a name or not, but he's the one who has that like mask over him. It looks like he has uh, bat ears to it, too. But he has like a, a turban over, like a cloak over his head, too. But um, he comes in and just grabs Knight by the neck and just snaps it and just starts tossing him around everywhere. And Batman's not able to save him. It's really brutal how it happens. And then at the end, he just pretty much takes Batman out, too. Kind of reminds me a little bit of what happened in the Night Vault with Bane, where he takes lifts Batman up. He doesn't snap his back or anything. He just throws him out a window. Or kind of what Bane did after he broke his back. He threw him out off a building onto the streets of Gotham. That's what happens there and how the issue ends. But just for once, the story's finally starting to, you know, not want to say make sense, but starting, like, you could follow it better in this issue where there's not a lot of stuff that made you think, oh, where did this happen? Did this happen somewhere else in one of Grant Morrison's past issues? But it's just a good self-contained story that moved along the whole Leviathan arc, I thought, pretty good. You finally got Talia telling Bruce what this is about. He has to make a choice between Damien or Gotham. There was some great action in it, too. So, overall, I'd probably give this one three and a half uh, actors and directors who wanted to do a Batman origin story after Christopher Nolan. So, probably the best issue of Batman Incorporated yet, I thought, since the New 52. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like the last issue a lot as well, which was sort of the future Damon. Um, and um, this one was really good. And I'm starting to get over the fact that it doesn't go with any of the other uh, bad books. Um and I was really shocked by Knight's death. Um, and they never, like, actually say he's dead, but the way it's drawn and yeah, the way he's whipped around and it, he looks, he looks dead, but, um, you never know with comics. Um, but, uh, I was kind of disappointed in that just because I really like Knight and Squire. And that miniseries, which came out uh, a couple of years ago, I enjoyed that miniseries a lot. But since, I was hoping maybe they'd have a regular series um, from that miniseries, and I don't know how the sales were, and it never materialized. So um, maybe um, Grant Morrison's killing them off. But they could always come back with that, um, uh, with another night, or, you know, they could do things with it. But, um, yeah, this was this was really well drawn. I really, I, I really like Chris Burnham's art. It kind of moved the story along, but touched base with everybody. Um, and all of the Bat family was in it, and I love how it, uh, Grant puts um, Bat Mo- Batman. I'm gonna call him Bat Morrison, <laughs> Batman <laughs> into a, a just a, a rock in a hard place. I, I read this uh, interview with Grant Morrison one time when he said, you know, he doesn't like to kill his characters. He much prefers to mess with them and, and torture them. And why kill them? It's better to torture them. And putting Batman in a situation where he has to choose between his son or his city is. Um, uh, a great torture for him. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, what was nice was this week, there weren't a lot of bat books out. So I could kind of just read, you know, um, these two bat books and, and enjoy them and not worry about having to read so much. Um, so I, I really enjoyed this as well. And I would, I would give this four actors or directors who decided to 
say that they wanted to come out with a Batman origin story after Christopher Nolan did it so brilliantly in Batman Begins and looked like a genius. Um, Another cool uh, part of the book that I, I forgot to mention was when uh, we see Batman jump out of the exploding part of the building and we see all the this bat drones fighting uh, Talia's man bats. I just love yeah. that. It was a short sequence, but it looked really cool. Yeah, that's great because it's a callback to how this all began with Batman and Son and yeah. man, uh, the the Man Bats. And I also liked, um, I forgot to mention, like you said, in the beginning with all the Batman robots because uh, that seems right out of the Kingdom Come movie. Yeah. <laughs> I loved Kingdom Come. And so that kind of drew right on that. And I thought that was really cool. Um, and also a Bat Cow came back, so that's always a good Yes, one. yeah. <laughs> I like that Jason has that one good line. He goes, uh, Bat cow, you guys are nuts. He goes, call it bat steak, and then I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gaming gets all bad at the, the way um, Jason Todd is being used in this book and in The Death of the Family, he's much more a part of the Bat family, and I wonder how much of his horrible actions pre-52 are they keeping, because he's done some really horrendous, horrible murders and, and tried to kill pretty much everybody in the, the Bat family at one point. Uh, and um, now they're all like all chummy and pally like he he was Robin and, and things just, you know, weren't as great. Yeah. Um, and I actually kind of prefer this. I, you know, when they took him like ultra violent and made him trying to kill everybody and trying to kill Bruce and just never getting over. You didn't love me like you loved Dick Grayson kind of. I just that, I wasn't as into it. I kind of like this now as he's kind of like the black sheep of the family, you know, but he's still part of the family and still there with them. Um, now I'm kind of like somewhere in the middle between that where, where he's not all evil and like he would never be able to work with Batman because he's on evil things. But at the same time, I think it works best where he's not too chummy with them and he's like all with them in the cave. It's kind of like he does his own thing, but if there's something really bad going on and they need him, he'll be there to help them. Yeah, I agree. Right now, the next one is Teen Titans number 15, which I did not read, even though that is a Death of the Family tie-in. I had planned to read it, but just never got around to downloading it and time-wise. Um, and But, Tim, you did read it, so what would you think? Yeah, it's probably, you didn't miss much by not reading it. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, when the stories or the comics not aren't that great, start starting to feel that the whole thing with the Joker messing with and capturing different members of the Batman family, it's getting a little repetitive. That's like the first time I felt that with reading this issue. Mm -hmm. like, we've seen this a bunch of times already. Now this time it's with Tim Drake. And it's like, uh, it's time to move on a little bit from that, I would think now. Yeah. But um, but this one, this, the focus is not really mainly on Joker and Tim Drake. It's really what it focuses on in this issue is that Tim knew about everything that was going on with the Joker. He knew that something happened, so the Teen Titans would go look for him and help him out. But since it's the Joker, he decided to let them give him a number to call for help, and that was Batgirl. So Batgirl shows up at the beginning, kind of like to lead them on and how to handle the situation with the Joker. She tells them to go to different points, kind of where to find Tim and all that. So uh, that's mainly the focus of the issue. We get a little bit of Joker messing with Tim, but nothing too great, nothing as good as what we saw in like Batgirl and uh, Batman and Robin with Damien. He just, like, dresses him up in his old Red Robin costume, and he's pretty much everything that Tim's thinking. Joker's, like, already knows what he's thinking. He's kind of like he's one, one step ahead of him, saying, like, yeah, like, what Tim would be worried about, something Joker would say it. So it's like he's not doing anything, anything too drastically to mess with Tim's mind, but what his overall goal was 
what I, which I thought was probably the best thing about this issue was a classic Joker scheme where people would think they're actually doing good, but it ends up uh, not being good as they're doing what the Joker wanted them to. He uses uh, Kid Flash as they're searching for Robin and helping certain people in like the worst parts of Gotham. He's carrying the Joker toxin. Like he goes into a building and as he goes, has like the Joker toxin in there and has to go in there. And as he runs in his uh, with the speed force, he's like spreading that Joker toxin everywhere he goes. So he's infecting people as he's going along. And at the end, that's where they're kind of fighting all these people that are infected with the Joker toxin. And then. As they're kind of getting overwhelmed by all these people, that's when uh, Arsenal and Starfire, Starfire show up from Red Hood and the Outlaws. That's where the issue ends, saying where they're here to help him out. But which is kind of confusing because I thought at the end of the Red Hood tie-in, it was like the Teen Titans were ready to go into the building where Tim and Jason were to help him out. And then Arsenal and Starfire show up saying they're going to help him rescue them. But now this looks totally different where they're here to help him out, take out these infected people with Joker toxin. So, yeah, I just I just felt nothing drastic happened in this issue. I really wasn't into Teen Titans after the first few issues. It hasn't been one of my favorite books. I haven't read it in a while, so just didn't do anything to help change that. If it focused more on Joker and Tim without being too repetitive what we've seen before, could have been better, but overall it was nothing special. I don't think it's something you have to read to get the full depth of the family tie-in. There's still another issue of Red Hood and the Teen Titans, Death of the Family Titans, so we'll see if those get any better. But as far as this one, nothing special. I'd probably just give it just a one and a half directors and actors who wanted to do a Batman origin story after Chris Nolan did Batman Begins. So. Oof. Uh, yeah. I, haven't, I, I was reading Teen Titans for about the first eight issues, and then they did this big crossover called The Culling, Mm-hmm. and that yeah. just kind of lost me. I kind of gave up after that, and I even read some some interviews with some of the creative uh, people on it saying that they wanted to do something else, but they were kind of, they weren't allowed to do what they really wanted to do with that because of DC, and, and so even the creators, it seemed like, were a little disappointed in how that went, and it it seemed to me like they were just trying to capitalize on the Hunger Games. They were trying to do like a superhero Hunger Games kind of thing, and it it, it didn't work for me, and I kind of gave up on the series after that. But I'll probably pick this title up at some point just to have it all. But Yeah, that's kind of where I left off, too, right before that whole crossover thing was starting. That's kind of – because I was just kind of getting through it. Like I mainly just getting it because I wanted to see how Tim's going to be in the new 52. And then once that started, like, okay, he's not going to be the main focus or that much, so – yeah. But, yeah, so probably the best things about this issue was the Joker's uh, plan against the city, and then just the arcs continues to still be good, I think. Uh, Brett Booth, his art was really good in this issue. That's about it. <laughs> okay. And then the other one, I think you're the only one who read this one, too, Batman Beyond Unlimited, number 11. Yeah. Talk about the opposite of Teen Titans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I just continue to love this series, as I always say every time I review it. <laughs> But I just, I just love the story that's going on right now. The last issue left off where uh, Bruce is going to defend uh, Dana and her family against uh, her brother, who's the leader of the Joker game that's blowing up Gotham City, building by building. And Bruce has to defend them, which was pretty cool. I mean, as an old man, seeing him strapped to an IV, <laughs> it's kind of hard to see Bruce that way, but he's, he is able to take uh, the Joker leader down. I mean, he gets beat, of course, because he's an old man. <laughs> There's only so yeah. much you can do. But he still gets some good punches in there and is almost ready to, like, he gets him on the ground and is about to 
punch him out, but his heart starts acting up. <laughs> like, when you see that, you're like, oh, no. If only his heart was good, he could still be a good Batman at his age. <laughs> but, he, yeah, he gets taken out, and he gets, like, trapped in a room. And he, but the only thing he can left to do now is contact Terry to try to get him to the hospital to save Dana and her family, which he ends up doing. And uh, which was cool to see him come in and uh, at the first few pages anyway. Once he enters the hospital room and saves them, he gets a few good hits into the, the Joker leader. But then the one probably the only complaint about this issue was that Terry gets beat up too much by this guy. <laughs> I mean, he gets shot by a I guess this high power gun that kind of disorients him, where he's not able to think straight and makes him real dizzy, so that's the reason why he's not able to defend himself too good in this issue. But I think it, they just showed too much of him getting beat up, when it should have been like a real heroic entrance that he made, and he takes him out, and he's saving his girlfriend and her family, but then <laughs> you see him just get beat up and beat up and beat up. And then the issue ends with him, with the Joker kind of about to, or the Joker King as he calls himself, about to like deliver the finishing blow for against Terry. He's about to hang him. He's all saying, I'm doing what the original Joker could never do. I'm about to kill Batman. So I think the last issue is probably going to wrap it up. But um, I just like how just still continuing the story and moving the characters from that we know and love from the series forward. I mean, we got our first hints in this issue because when Batman saved Dana and her family, he actually called her by her name, which kind of caught her by surprise. Like, how does he know my name? So I think they're planting the seeds already where she's going to find out that he actually is Batman, which we know she eventually does. But then we get more of a dick and uh, the new Catwoman. They teamed up together to take out some of the Jokers in a pretty cool sequence. <laughs> so, yeah, overall, the story continues to be great. The other two stories in this comic has to deal with Superman uh, being accused of destroying, like, a race of species or, like, terrorizing a planet with a race of species. Of course he doesn't, but they think he is. So after they fail to attack him, they decide to enlist the help of Lobo, <laughs> which... Uh, <laughs> That's how the, that part of the story ends, so the next issue will focus on that, which I think should be funny because him and Superman have some great interactions in Superman the Animated Series and Justice League. I always loved it when Dolbo showed up in those series, so this should be pretty cool. Yeah. Then after that, there was a, another origin story, which I always love in these issues because we kind of get to see more insight as to what happens to the original Justice League members and how they live up to the world of Batman Beyond. So this one, we got the origin story of Barda, who showed up in the Batman Beyond Justice League episodes. It was kind of cool to kind of show how she was born, how her mother and Granny Goodness were once friends, and how they were training on the dark side, and how since she wasn't really not allowed to have any children, she did get pregnant, though. In order to keep it a secret, she gave it to her friend, who was Granny Goodness, and that's how Barda got to be trained under Granny and all that. I thought it was a cool origin story for her. So overall, yeah, this comic continues to still be great. Love it every time it comes out. I'm going to give it four and a half actors and directors who wanted to do a Batman or the story after Chris Nolan made Batman Begins. Really good. Yeah, and I'd just say, you know what? It was another good Lobo appearance. Um, in the first episode, I think it was the first episode of the, the second season of uh, Justice League, Un- uh, um, Young Justice, when they changed to Invasion yeah, and Lobo uh-huh. came out. I thought that was a pretty yeah. good Lobo. <laughs> Uh, but um, whatever happened to the talk of a Lobo movie? Are they still making I that? Or I still that... hear whispers of that sometimes, but not yeah. as much as before. I mean, DC has a lot of probably movies that they wanted to get into production. but That's why I never – all the Batman stuff with Warner Brothers and movies and this and that, until they've actually 
filming, I don't believe it because I've heard just so many rumors, exactly. and so <laughs> many scripts, and so many castings. Um, but did you have any others for that week of January second, or no? That was it for the ones I read. Yeah, the only one I had, I'm not sure if it came out January 2nd, but um, Little Gotham's by Dustin Nguyen. Um, they came out with two, actually, one for Christmas and one for New Year's. Uh, and the New Year's was number four. And that one, you know, like, I, I actually I like this series a lot. Um, the New Year's one was okay. It, it reminded me a lot of um, Gotham Girls, if you ever saw those animated shorts. I don't know. I think they were okay. on the Internet. Um, yeah, they were, like, an the- online exclusive, yeah. Were they? Yeah, I, I saw them um, on the Birds of Prey uh, DVD for that, the, the series Birds of Prey. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, if you buy the, the, the season. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, they only had like 13 episodes, and I some of the episodes were a little weak, but I, overall I really liked that series. Um, and uh, one of the extra features is the all, all of the Gotham Girls shorts. Um, and so... Four dealt with uh, Catwoman. She was trying to be, you know, on the straight and narrow, and Harley Quinn and um, Poison Ivy show up, and they convince her to go out and do all these, like, crimes and stuff. But they, they – she's trying – Catwoman's trying to be straight, so they're always like, well, we're going to go raid this chemical – or this, uh, you know – chemical factory because it's good for the environment and you know well it's okay to steal if it's just candy because candy's good and all stuff so it's it was cute i read it actually today um the one i really liked was number three that was the christmas special um and this one was outstanding i would would give this five um out of five uh because you know the thing was um you know it's not it's not the killing joke or anything like that but i i read it you know, back in, uh, you know, around Christmas time for the Christmas episode. And things were, you know, the news was kind of harsh. There was all the, the shooting at the elementary school in, in Connecticut. And, you know, um, things were just not the nicest. So to escape all that, you know, you don't want to pick up a Batman book where everybody's being killed and blown up and stuff. And so this was a nice change of pace, a nice little escape from reality with what was going on in the news. Um, and basically the story is... Um, uh, it it has a, a couple uh, um, cute moments in the beginning, but basically there's some kids from an orphanage that have been kidnapped, and they've been kidnapped by Mr. Freeze, um, and Batman and Nightwing find him, but you know Mr. Freeze is you know saying like, well I'm not I'm not trying to hurt these kids, I'm just trying to protect them from the evils of the world, and look I've created this like fun. Um, uh, you know, like snow environment for them and I'm getting them ice cream and all this stuff and, and Batman's just like, you know, you, you can't do that. That's not how it works. Uh, and so then they arrest Mr. Freeze and uh, they put him in Arkham and it leaves and it's very reminiscent of Heart of Ice from the animated series. He's in his ice cell and he's um, uh, just sitting there all sad and some of the guards uh, make a joke at his expense and say like, um, uh you know, uh, yeah, no one, uh, what does he say? Not like he has any, any home to go to, that poor guy and stuff, you know, like he's got nobody. And then Mr. Freeze hears some people singing Silent Night out his window and he looks out the window and it's Bruce and Alfred and Damien and, um, uh, Dick and a whole bunch of all the kids in the school bus and they're all singing him Christmas carols. So, you know, I mean, if you're looking for the Dark Knight Returns or the Kill <laughs> Joke and this is what you've got, you're not, going to like it but if there's a you know 
a five-year-old that you wanted to read a Batman comic to, or if you wanted a, a change of pace, um, this reminded me of some of the, um, just the, the, the young, Batman, or like the kinder, gentler Batman, but it's still, it's not the, the campy stuff. It's not the goofy, you know, ridiculous. It's, it's, um, and so I, I liked it for, for what it was and what it is. And still, Dustin Nguyen's art, no matter what the story content is, I love that guy's art and just his paintings and how he draws. Um, so, yeah, I would, for, for what it is, you know, I would give it, and for what it's trying to be, I would definitely give it five um, actors and directors who thought it was a good idea to do a Batman origin story after the Batman Begins came out. Yeah, probably the only place you'll see Batman sing a Christmas carol. <laughs> yeah, that's what you're looking for. Yeah. It is, and I mean, it's a pet. Like if you're if you're trying to read the Killing Joke, this is you're gonna be disappointed. <laughs> but if you know, um, that's the, that's the cool thing about Batman. That's why he's been around for almost eighty years, is because he is so versatile, and you can use him in so many different ways, and so many different formats, and so many different styles. Um, and so I think this is just an, another example of that. And you can have something that a five-year-old can read, and you can have something that a 25-year-old could read. So For the week of January 9th, we've got Batwing 16 and Detective 16. So, Tim, which one would you like to start with? I guess we'll go with Batwing number 16. And so for this issue, it's finally what I've been waiting for Batwing to <laughs> get back to after his first story arc, where it's just focusing on... David as Batwing and what he goes through in the as a police officer, and instead of having him team up with some random hero who shows up or these villains who aren't that great like Father Lost and Lord Battle, we just get a good like crime story going on here. Is in a corrupt police force, which we you got a hint of in some earlier issues that he is an honest cop, but the police force that he's working in is so corrupt, and they finally dealt with that issue in this issue, <laughs> number 16, where there's this, uh, the son of this, like, wealthy guy in Africa who's murdering, like, these prostitutes, and he gets arrested, but, of course, he gets off because his father has a lot of, like, power and influence in, in Africa to get him out. And there's evidence against him, but, of course, the police are getting paid off to let him go, and so he doesn't get convicted of anything. He just is getting off scot-free. So, of course, David wants this to stop, so he goes out to kind of get him down. And he actually does this as Batwing. It's kind of, he's taking his Batman training well, I should say, where he, he breaks and busts into a nightclub to confront this guy who's committing these murders. And he's just kind of like getting the fear in him, kind of to let him know that he's not going to be getting off all the time. He is going to, something is going to happen. Like, he's watching him, so like, watch out. But this gets the attention of the uh, uh, police force that he works for, too. So that kind of, puts a Batwing in their crossfire also. He's also getting kind of trouble from uh, his mentor, Matsu. He's kind of saying, like, if you really want to get rid of this kind of problem in disguise, if you want to stop this guy from getting set free when he's committing this crime, you just got to kill him. And, of course, David kind of went away from that path. He's following Batman as he should, where he doesn't want to take a life, but he believes in justice. So he just uh, wants to do everything he can to bring this guy down without killing him. So that's kind of... The struggle that he's going through with his mentor, uh, Matu. The issue ends with a good confrontation where there's this witness that actually saw uh, this guy. His name's escaping me right now. The guy who committed these murders. But he's this little girl who saw him commit the murder, and she's, like, the only witness. And so Dave is going to protect her because he knows once 
the police force finds out who she is, they're going to try to shut her up so this guy can get off. So David goes to save her, and he gets confronted by the police force, corrupt police force officers who are there in mass, and they're about to shoot him. They have this big old shootout. And this really cool sequence where the Batwing suit comes out, and you see you see David in one panel who's not in his uh, bat suit costume, he's just in his normal clothes, but then you see the Batwing costume with his face in there show up. You're like, well, what's going on here? But then you see this cool technology that has, like, his face in a hologram of the Batwing suit. And it plays off pretty good because if you're in a fight and you're like a criminal and everything's moving so fast, you probably wouldn't tell that it's a hologram. It was like, that was a pretty cool thing to do to kind of show people that you're not the superhero, but yeah, it still has the face where it's not covered up in a mask or anything. So I thought that was a cool use of his technology. So overall, yeah, I really like this issue. It does end where uh, they do bring this guy in now that the, they stopped the police force from killing this little girl who was a witness. She identifies him. This guy's brought to jail. But uh, just kind of bring it on now, like the next issue is probably going to be where this guy's father really has that wing on his radar now, now that he's messing with him and his corrupt police force. So looks like we're going to get more stories this way that's going towards David and his job as a police officer working in this corrupt system and as dealing with his bat wing too. So definitely a big improvement over the last several issues we've gotten the last few months. Probably the best one since it wrapped up the very first arc. So I'm going to probably give this one four out of five directors and actors who wanted to make a Batman origin story after Batman Begins. Definitely a big improvement. <laughs> yeah, when I when I first saw this, the cover of this and saw this was out, I kind of had no interest in reading it. I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to get this. And then I'm like, well, i got to get it for the podcast. Let me get it. But I was a little curious because the last issue um, was Fabian Nicienza's first issue as writer, and I wondered on that issue, well, how much was he doing what he wants to do and how much was he cleaning up and finishing all of Judd Winnick's uh, storyline? Uh, and I'm, I'm glad I got this issue. I'm glad I read it because I thought this was probably, if not the best issue of the series, one of the best issues. Um, it had what I wanted from this issue all about Africa and the corruption. It had a lot of David and his struggle. Um, it had how he does not do everything perfect. You know, he's not Batman. He's not, he's still learning. He does make some mistakes. Um, the artwork by Alan Jefferson, who I'm not, not really familiar with his work, but, um, I thought it was very good. Um, and, uh, the whole sort of corruption in Africa, the corrupt police force, um, people buying their way out, that witnesses put themselves in, you know, extreme jeopardy by um testifying or you know coming out and that you know here this little girl didn't know any better so was willing to identify the man but now this little girl is in serious jeopardy and um you know really is good because you don't know if that girl's going to make it or not you know batwing yeah. is going to be alive at the end of the series you know david's not going anywhere you know but the girl that's some drama there you don't know is she going to be okay is she not you know they could they could kill her or keep her um and so for that you know i i really felt like this series took a giant step forward and that fabian nicienza if he's if he's not well versed and knows what's going on in africa um he definitely did his research and he definitely incorporated a lot of um what was going on and this definitely felt like the batman of africa not just the batman in an iron man suit running <laughs> around um so yeah i i really like this the ending um, kind of um, set up a lot in motion. It's set up a lot of how now um, David has, and Batwing both have made some pretty powerful enemies, 
and then um, uh, I like how this guy wants to um, kill both David and Bat Batwing, not realizing they're the same person. And he makes a statement. You know, there's a voice. You're not sure who it is. Who says, "Who would you like me to bring in?" Uh, for as far as killers and assassins, and he's like, all of them, I want them all, and I want to see those two men dead. Um, and this gave me, it, it reminded me a lot of when Fabian Nicienza took over the Red Robin title pre-52. His first issue was um, number 13, and it started a, a story arc called The Hit List, and it had, uh, you know, Tim Drake, Red Robin, you know, kind of a list and lots of different characters and going after different people, and um, I got really that same kind of feel and that same kind of vibe from this issue. And I really liked that Red Robin story arc. I really liked where Red Robin was going under him. It was a shame it got canned for the new 52. Um, that was one title I didn't want to see go. But um, I would say for a rating system, you know, I kind of I kind of want to give it five out of five, but that might be too high just because just I went from – from considering not wanting to really read it to how much I enjoyed it, I would definitely give it a five out of five. I guess when you compare it to other things that deserve five out of five, it's probably not there. So I'll give it a four out of five just because, you know, um, just because. So four out of five actors or directors who, um, what were we saying? Oh, who wanted to <laughs> make an origin story a movie about Batman and came out with that information after it was already done by uh, Christian Bale and Christopher Nolan and Liam Neeson and uh, Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes, that's right, yeah. Um, and Michael Caine. Um, just name all the actors. Yes, and art direction by Frank. No, just kidding. All right, and last comic for our wonderful podcast here, Detective Comics 16. And I am willing to bet that Tim and I have very different opinions of this comic, but I'll let you go first. Ooh, this should be interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what I was saying about Teen Titans, how the Death of the Family Titans have kind of getting a little repetitive, this one I felt was kind of a good different way to tie in the whole Joker back in Gotham and how it's affecting not the heroes, but this time just like the regular, like not villains, but just criminals and just general bad people in Gotham. It also kind of gave me a Batman Beyond vibe too, kind of a little similar to what's going on in the current Batman Beyond Unlimited comic where there's these people who use the Joker as inspiration for them to do their crimes. And it just brings out, when, he, when they find out that he's back, it kind of just brings out the worst in them. You just see all the terrible things that these different gangs of Jokers that they're that what they're doing to Gotham and to some people. They're not all like an organized big one big gang calling themselves the Jokers. They're just kind of like separate gangs of people who are coming together and just doing things that are inspired by the Joker. And the story focuses on uh, one of these guys who Batman looked up as someone who uh, murdered his family by burning down a building. I think his name was uh, Rodney Rodney Sperman is what it says in the issue. But okay, he yeah, I think they called him Torch, right? Yeah, yeah. So they, his, he's like the main focus of the criminals who are terrorizing Gotham in the wake of Joker coming back. He teams up with this these three other uh, psychos, is definitely what you would call them, as far as people who are want to spread terror in Gotham in honor of the Joker. One of them's like a dentist who you see one just like mess up this one of his patients mouth going in I don't even like how in the first few pages you see this patient like kind of warning if he should actually go in there he has this like curious look on his face because of 
I think his practice was called uh, Miles of Smiles. <laughs> was the name of the dentist shop. <laughs> you just see him mess them up. And then the focus is on where they go to this, like, um, I think it was like a youth center that they were going to. And they're just going to kill everyone there just for no reason. Just, like, the only one who says, like, a sacrifice to their King Joker or something like that. But then the guy, uh, Rodney, he doesn't really want to kill anyone. He just thought he was just going to, like, do penny, like vandalism type stuff. And killing is not something he wants to do. So he ends up letting all the hostages go. And then uh, everyone, of course, the other members of that Joker game get mad at him. And before we find out what they do to him, we see Batman bust into the building, the center where all the hostages were, and it's on fire, and Batman goes to confront the guy, Rodney, and he's just, like, surprised that he let them all go. And then once he looks at his face to reveal that those other Joker gang members cut his face off. Well, a whole, uh, I thought it said he did it to himself. Did it? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I'll go look it, it up. Yeah, yeah. But if it is, I missed that, and I just assumed that, because he saw those panels with the guys with the knife. No, no, you're right, yeah. He did cut it himself. How okay, can I miss yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, that's why I cut off my face, and then Batman's like, yeah. idiot kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a great line. Yeah, yeah surprised I that slipped my mind. <laughs> but when I was reading it, um, there was something that kind of took me by, like, or I kind of saw it coming, where... I was not so I come up, I was like where why would this guy suddenly have a change of heart where he murdered his family by burning down a building but then he reveals that uh, it was an accident and he never meant for any of that, that to happen he's not really bad he just had like nowhere else to go and he's, that's why he chose this life and I guess that's why it makes sense now why he cut off his face kind of to punish himself for all the mistakes that he did mm-hmm. and then I just the, how it ended I'm curious to see how this new villain is going to be the merrymaker I like his costume design, but we'll see if there's anything to do with the Joker or not, or if he's just some guy off of his own crazy agenda. <laughs> so overall, I thought this was a good tie to death for the family. It wasn't one you would expect, but it was a kind of a cool insight to how Joker is affecting the criminals in Gotham. So I'd probably go ahead and give it uh, three and a half actors and directors who decided to make a Batman origin story after Chris Nolan made Batman Begins. All right. Well, I apologize. I thought you were not going to like this very much. That's why I said uh, I thought we'd disagree. But yeah, you liked it. I'll, I, I like this comic a lot. Um, earlier, you had said that uh, with Teen Titans that it was getting a little repetitive. Uh, the Joker tie-ins just, you know, kidnap this guy and torture him, kidnap Catwoman and torture her. Yeah. And so uh, this one I thought was a great tie-in because it was not that same formula. Um, I have really loved detective comics since John Lehman and Jason Fabok have taken over. Um, and this was more of how it, the Joker and his crimes and his being in the news would affect just sort of the regular everyday people of Gotham. And they talk a little bit about how the people are, you know, staying home and staying off the streets. And um, But then it also had the the people who were inspired to do evil from the Joker and, and to, to copy them. And, you know, my first thought, with that is like, oh, if this was real life and there was really a Joker, no one would do that. No one would copy the Joker. But then you look and like thinking about like Hitler and that there's like skinheads and neo Nazis and and things like that. Um, and so you, there probably would be. And um, being a huge fan of the, the Batman Beyond series and having the Jokers with a Z in that, um, this was kind of a cool like this could be like how the Jokers got started and and sort of the origins of how the Jokers 
you know, would have come around and, and, and been an organization. Um, you mentioned the miles of smiles. Tim, did that remind you of um, the doctor that Jack Nicholson's Joker goes to in the 89 Batman at all? Or No, not when I read it, but now that you mentioned it. <laughs> oh, because I got yeah. Yeah, I get that vibe because they've got like a spotlight on him. Yeah. And, and they've got like all these bloody tools on a. Yeah, <laughs> on it even shows that in the movie. Like, you see what I have to work with there? You see all those messed up tools. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you ever see, there's a Simpsons episode where they do a, a parody of that where Lisa gets braces. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And it's Classic. like frame for frame. That is awesome. <laughs> uh, and she even hits the lights and breaks it and does a, a sick laugh. Yeah. Um, this, you know, Batman's written a little different in this here. You know, he 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 calls people idiots and stupid, and you know, or not maybe not stupid, but calls them idiots a few times. And you know, at first it was a little jarring, but I kind of kind of like that. I think Batman would be that way. You know, Bruce Wayne is a you know a, a millionaire kid, and he's out here fighting crime, and then here are these people dressed like the Joker, and so he's you know, yeah. um, his first instinct is going to be like you idiots, you know. And but especially then, what's going on right now with Death of the Family too? It's like. That would definitely yeah. impact his like his attitude it, right now. Exactly, but you know, in the animated series and even in the comics, I've always loved when Batman's like just like kick the crap out of some bunch of people. But then like that one guy, he's like, you know, here's my here's a card. Here's my friend Bruce Wayne. Go here tomorrow. He'll give you a job or something. Yeah. You know, I kind of like that aspect of him too. And he does that, you know, at the end with the, with that guy Torch, where he's like, you idiot. But then he's like, you know. I'll take care of you. I'll make sure you're okay because he sees, you know, like how the Joker messes people up. And that guy was kind of, kind of. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of skinheads and a lot of neo Nazis who are not, you know, totally into the ideology of Hitler. They just want to belong. They want to belong to something. They want to be a part of something, and they get caught up. And that's why how he seemed caught up in this whole thing with the Jokers. Um, and then at the end, the um, the guy, what was his name? The Merrymaker. His his costume looked a lot like you only get one really good view of it, but it looked like the way a plague doctor was dressed in the in the Middle Ages. Yeah. Um and so um I really yeah, that is a great look and a great character design. Um and then the backup art and the backup story, Pecking Order, um, the art by Andy Clark was really good, even though there's not a lot of action in it, it's a lot of dialogue, it's a lot of standing around. Um, I did like it gave you a lot more background on um, um, Emperor Penguin. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for his real name, Ignatius Ogilvy, which that is a cool name. I like that. They should have just stuck with Ignatius Ogilvy. I don't know why he's got to be Emperor Penguin also. But the way I thought about it is, well, you know, if you're in Gotham and it gives the background that he worked his way up all the way through Penguin's organization. So I guess there is pressure to come up with a name when everyone else has a name, too, um, kind of like in high school. And, you know, I look at pictures of me with a mullet. And it's like, why don't I have a mullet? I just had it because everyone else had it. You know, I guess he's got to have a, a name. Um, I listened this week to um, finally to Fat Man on Batman with uh, the Scott Snyder. Um, and they were talking about how cool it was that uh, James Jr. never had a name, you know, because you could tell that Kevin Smith didn't read um, the, that detective run. And he's like, oh, what was his name? He's like, no, he didn't have a, a name. He was just James Jr. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, what was his costume? You know, he's like, no, no costume, just clothes, you know. And I think Ignatius Ogilvy is a cool enough name and a cool enough character that he could have just um, been – it, it could have stood on its own. 
But, you know, the Emperor Penguin, it is kind of, I think it takes away a little bit, but everything else is still pretty cool. Yeah, and then, so there's Emperor Penguin in Detective, and then there's King Joker in um, Batman Beyond. Beyond. So I I wonder if they'll have Princess Catwoman coming up (laughs) or something. But, um, That whole backup actually just reminded me of that one scene in uh, Batman 89 where Joker is, like, taking over the mob gang. And yeah, that one guy who doesn't want to go along, and he buzzes him, and just burns off, burns him. <laughs> exactly, yeah. reminded me like that. Yeah, which I know that it, you know it was almost thirty years ago when that came out. When that came out, that was pretty heavy and pretty hardcore with him killing him like that, and then <laughs> laughing at him, and then he and then he has a whole scene where he talks to him afterwards yeah. and does all the dialogue. And um, you know, there's been so many, so much has come out since then that that seems a little tame now. But at the time in '89, that was, you know, that was yeah. pretty twisted. Yeah, I watched that scene as a five-year-old kid when that movie came out. Because it was too intense, or yeah. your parents? No, my parents wouldn't let me watch it. Yeah, I don't blame them. Yeah, um, but yeah, this was uh, comparing it to the other tie-ins and how um, they went in a completely and totally different direction. I would give this uh, um, and how good it is on its own and the story. Um, and I love it when they have these, these uh, characters cause you just, um, like the, the guy torch cause you just don't know what's going to happen to him. And it, it has that drama, you know, Batman's going to be alive at the end, you know, he's going to be okay, but torch, you don't know what's going to happen. And I did not expect him to cut off his own face. <laughs> that was <laughs> definitely a, a good twist. Um, so I would, I would give this four, uh, out of five actors or directors, who had the idea for a Batman origin story before um, Christopher Nolan came out with Batman Begins and rocked everybody's world with his trilogy that Dane now owns multiple, multiple copies of and can have in all his safe houses. So when he hides from the authorities, he can watch his Dark Knight trilogy. Oh, wow. we all, That should have been the line for all of ours. Yeah. <laughs> Hey Tim, I got a question for you. How do you pronounce your last name? Jurassic. Uh, Jurassic, because Taylor Swift does have a song called Tim McGraw, so <laughs> we could change it to Tim Jurassic. And <laughs> uh, that's quite all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so I guess that's it for this Bat Fans podcast. And can I say one thing before we do the outro? To yeah, yeah, go ahead. in the outro. But our, our email is still bat batfans27 at gmail dot com. Uh, com. Um, we have not received an email yet, uh, but uh, send us an email. Let us know what's going on. Um, and uh, we have, though, gotten um, a little bit of feedback on the um, the page where you can download the podcast. We've had um, Rob left a message saying that um, he wants to be on the podcast, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Just email badfans27 and gmail.com or whatever it is. and We'll have you on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Terrence. Uh, Terrence would like reviewed us on iTunes and we put him on. I know. I can't get rid of me. Yeah. Um Alex also uh responded a few times and he uh he liked our um I assume it's he, it might be a she. Um but Alex um liked our uh scenes reviews of our top three moments and he gave his moments he said that his number one moment was swear to me interrogation in the first batman movie number two was the batman bane fight 
And number three was the Joker interrogation scene. But if he had to pick a top scene overall, he would pick the Mask of the Phantasm scene where Bruce was pleading with his parents at the gravesite. Um, and so I think Tim and I both, if we had to pick a scene overall, would pick the um, Return of the Joker where it's revealed what happens to to Robin uh, what the Joker did and the and the whole strobe effect with the yeah. movie projector, <laughs> Batman and and um, Harley Quinn falling and oh man, Robin shooting the Joker. And that that scene it just keeps building and building and getting better and better and uh, and when they spin around Batman and you see his face when he's looking at the screen, it's just music that plays in there. It's yes, amazing. Yeah, I mean that should be that should just get the Academy Award. That's how the Academy, they should just show that scene, give them all, give <laughs> Bruce Tim and Paul Dini all the awards, and then go home. Um, and then and one that, last thing, that oh, so, scene with Bruce and his parents is awesome too. I mean, I, yeah, that's one of the best parts of Mask of the Phantasm, I think. Yeah, um, Fat Man on Batman podcast did a whole like commentary yeah. to Mask of the Phantasm, which was pretty good. And then my friend Dan uh, put a, a link to our podcast on his Facebook page. So thank you, Dan, for doing that. And I promise I'll tell some horrible stories about you from high school that I, I know. And all, all the people, let me tell you about the time he went to Brazil. And no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, but, um, he thought it was a woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, enough about bashing people that listen to this podcast. Sharing <laughs> God. Um, you can visit our host site, The Batman Universe, at thebatmanuniverse.net, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse, or on Twitter, and the Twitter handle is at batmanuniverse. And you can find us on iTunes, and you can rate and review us, too, and leave us a comment on there, and um, as well as all the other Batman Universe podcasts, and there's a ton of them. Right, Tim? Millions. <laughs> <laughs> and of course we want to congratulate the Batman universe on reaching five years of age they're five years old yep it's about to start kindergarten <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right um and you can rate <laughs> and you can rate and review all of the other Batman universe podcasts and please do that because it'll make us look more sexier Right, Tim? Yep, and that's what it's all about. Yep. That's why we do this. Yeah, and there's a ton of them, so rate them all. <laughs> and Dustin's on all of them. Because of his high midi chlorine count, but not <laughs> as high as mine. <laughs> we, we got to mention that, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> midi chlorines, um, well, I, I guess we can say that, you, yes, you have a higher midi chlorine count. But Dustin is a master, and you're still just a not Jedi a Padawan. Knight. Just a regular Jedi. Yeah, yeah, just a regular Jedi Knight. Well, pretty much is that, that okay with you? Yeah, pretty much how Anakin is. He never became a master. He was just always a Jedi Knight. Yeah, we we grant you a seat on this council, but we do not grant you the rank of master. What? How can you be on the council and not be a master? <laughs> <laughs> Patience. I'm done with the podcast now. <laughs> Patience, Tim. In time, they'll grant you the rank of master, okay? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you, you're just going to do whatever you want. My words don't mean anything. You're just going to go kill some, like a bunch of younglings and sack the Jedi Temple and kill all of the Trade Federation, right? If it brings peace, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, that's it from us.
Terrence, what's that uh, chick's website? Um, the one who will be in Batgirl, number 16? Yeah, yeah, her. Yeah, her uh, Twitter is at Arkham Asylum Doc, and um, her website was, uh, I don't have it up anymore, so oh. I think it was under the under the mask online dot com. Yes, I believe so. And she'll be in Batgirl 16. Um, so that'll be cool. Yeah. So go follow her, go read her website, look for her in Batgirl number 16 and do all that stuff. But I guess that's it. So bye everybody. Don't be scared. Don't cry. Don't some admit yourself into <laughs> don't admit yourself into a mental hospital because we'll be back here in two weeks don't worry about it we'll be back here don't, don't cry <laughs> bye everybody see you we'll be back I, I can tell you this will be my kids favorite podcast just, um, my wife is at work so I'm watching the kids so they keep coming in we have ice cream the the candy cream I'm like hey I can't even imagine what I'm about to walk into, and they'll probably be out there about the But I'm alone tonight, my tears can't fall.